as you read the story, there are certain symbols, certain objects that come to the forefront. And each of them tells a different part of the story. And each of them tells something to us about our own life, about our own relationship with God, about what he accomplished for us on the cross. It started the night that he was betrayed. 30 pieces of silver. Let me ask you, what is a life worth? For Judas, 30 pieces of silver seemed to do the job. Some have tried to say, well, he didn't really mean for things to happen the way that they did, that he, was, he really believed in Jesus and was wanting to force his hand, make him make that move and step forward. And it just didn't work out the way that Judas had planned. Others say, no, no, that was just the act of betrayal. Whatever the reason, however he did it, for him, 30 pieces of silver was enough. On the other hand, Jesus allows himself to be arrested, kissed by his betrayer, brought before the Sanhedrin, and then before Pilate. And he endures all of the mocking, all of the beating, and he hangs on a cross. And what he says to you and to me by that act is, what is your life worth to him? Everything. Everything quite a contrast, but it tells us of a loving God who loves you so much and wants so much the very best for you, that he demonstrated that on a cross and and made that a reality for us on the cross, which means that you can trust him with anything in your life, even when you don't understand, because you know that he is good and his heart towards you is good. He is willing to give everything for you. Next. I see a basin. Filled with water. Jesus stands before Pilate. And he's looking for a way to make this all go away. But he can't. And he's caught. He's caught because he's a powerful man, but he doesn't have as much power as everybody thinks. Because his job is to keep the peace, the Pax Romana, to keep the Jews under control. And now they are rioting, and now they are screaming, and they are calling for the head of this man. And he's caught. He's powerful, but he's weak. He doesn't know what to do. So he rolls up his sleeves. And he washes his hands. And in essence, he says, you take him. I want no part of this. What's really interesting is, just a few hours before, no more than a day before, Jesus gathers his 12 for their last meal together. And as they gather around the table... He pours a basin of water and he begins to wash their feet. And Peter, Peter objects, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says to him, 
If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. And in showing a servant's heart, in showing a tender moment, he lets us know, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you think that spot is that you can't rub out, he can wash you clean. He can wash you clean. And of course, we move to the beatings and the crown of thorns. To me, this speaks of the brutality of our sin. Because you see, we can, we can go along and we can sin and we can get caught up in stuff and, and we don't see the toll that it takes on our soul. Because it's kind of hidden, it's kind of invisible. We can keep it hidden from other people, we can keep it hidden from ourselves, but we cannot keep it hidden from God. He sees. And because we can hide it, we don't see the devastation that it brings to us at the very deepest part of who we are. And I think the beating, the scourging, the flogging, the crown of thorns, I think what it says to me is what Jesus absorbed physically, that pain, that brutality, that's what happens inside of us with our sin. And he came to bear that so that we could find that forgiveness. Sometimes people say things like, well, can't God just forgive? I mean, he, after all, he is God. Can't he just say, okay, everybody's, everybody's forgiven? See, forgiveness doesn't work that way. Anytime forgiveness happens, somebody absorbs the pain. If you have been wronged by someone and you choose not to retaliate, you choose not to get back, you choose not to take revenge, you choose instead to forgive, what you do in that moment is you absorb the pain yourself. And what Jesus was doing on the cross, what he was doing with those beatings is he was absorbing the pain of your sin and mine. Because that's what it takes to forgive, somebody has to absorb the pain. It's another object. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, he cries out, I'm thirsty. And it says that the soldiers took a sponge, soaked in vinegar, tied it onto a, a hyssop branch, and held it up for him. Vinegar. <laughs> Not exactly what would quench your thirst. It's sour, acidic, bitter. But it speaks to me of the bitter circumstances, the bitter situations, the bitter experiences of our lives because we all experience them and it sours us and, and we can become bitter from them. But what Jesus did was came to make all of those things new. Those bitter moments, those bitter memories, those sour, sour experiences. Again, Jesus met a woman, a Samaritan woman at the well. 
And he promised her something for her thirst, for her deeper thirst. He promised her living water. And in fact, it was at one of the feasts where, um, it was at the Feast of Tabernacles. And what would happen traditionally there was there was a, there was a big, uh, like a bonfire lit up. It was at the Feast of Lights. It was a reminder, it was a reminder of God's provident leading of the nation of Israel by the pillar of fire. And, 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 and people would, would live in tents on their rooftops or out in the streets to remind them that they are wanderers in this world and that God has led them by the light. And on the very last night of the feast, what they would do is the priest would come and they would have a silver funnel, if you will, and pour water through it through the ground, symbolic of God's provision all the way through those wilderness wanderings. And it was in that moment that Jesus stood up and says, anyone who is thirsty, anyone who is thirsty, let him come to me. And rivers of living water will flow from within them. The one who hung on a tree and thirsted is the one who promises you and I living water, refreshing, renewing, quenching of our deepest thirst. And then, of course, we come to the cross which is the ultimate symbol of Good Friday. Now, what you need to understand about the cross is if someone in the first century saw that gold cross you wear on a chain around your neck, they would be horrified because it was not a pretty emblem and it was not made into jewelry. It was a place of brutality. It was a place of torture. It was a place of death. And what Jesus did was carry that death, absorb that pain, so that you and I could be forgiven. But not just forgiven, if that were not enough. Forgiven and given a new life. A new sense of purpose, a new sense of meaning. A refreshing of our souls with that water of life. A forgiveness of that sin that so brutally destroys our soul. That servant washing of our feet. That, that, that answer for the bitterness of our lives. He said, you're worth it. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. And so tonight, whatever you come in here with. Whatever your struggle, whatever your shame, whatever it is that keeps you wrapped up inside, that binds you, that holds you, that causes that struggle, the last words of Jesus on the cross were, it is finished. And when he says it's finished, it's finished. Which means you and I no longer need to carry that burden of our sin or the shame that comes with it. We no longer need to carry that brokenness because he came to make us whole. We no longer need to live under that that weight because he came to set us free. And tonight, as we close our time together, we're going to do something that we have done traditionally from almost the very beginnings of Northgate. There is something symbolic about taking a hammer and a nail 
and pounding it into the cross. And, and whatever it might be for you, and what we have on the side are crosses on both sides, so you can use both of those, um, use either of them. And there's paper and pen and hammer and nails. And if there is something that you've been struggling with for a long time, this is a point of surrender. And you can take a piece of paper, you can write that thing down, and you can nail it to the cross. And I assure you, no one's going to look at your paper because it's finished. It's done. If you are at a point of brokenness and you need healing, restoration, and renewal, write it on that paper and let his death be your life. If it's a struggle, if it's a broken relationship, whatever it might be, whatever it is that you carry in here tonight, you walk out of here without it. Because it is finished. It is finished. He is the answer to the bitterness of life. He's the answer to the guilt of sin. It's the answer to the weight, weight of our shame. And tonight, you can be free.